Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Twilight After Show. I'm Carl Wiggers, joined with uh, Avery Davidson, Brian yeah, That's, yeah, That's yeah, your yeah, name. Yeah, I had to think about remembering. it. Yeah, I was I looking know. right at you, but I had to think about it for a second. Uh, I have to remember how to do this podcast thing. We haven't done it in a while. So, Brianne was like, hey, when are we going to do another podcast? So, here we are doing another podcast. So, for all of our viewers out there, Mom... I'm real sorry we've <laughs> we've let you down. You mean listeners, right? Listener, listeners, yeah. Listener, listen. I did say viewers. You did say viewers. Man, I'm. We're just Brian. You want to host? Let's, I want you to host. You host the podcast. Okay, today. wonderful. Welcome to our podcast, everybody. I have Avery and Carl with me. <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> I love you're, how you're, she says everybody and like she assumes there's more than one person listening. There's at That's least the more amazing than one, part. Maybe. You have to fake it till you make it. Well, there we go. Bree, you're the lead story this week in the show. Your story took precedent over anything else in the show. That's a big deal. Tell us about what your story was this week in the show. Um, this week it was about ag magic. So pretty cool concept. Um, kids come and, and learn about agriculture. And it's not just, you know, the the crop and animal side. It's about the insects and the dirt and things like that. And I mean, I enjoyed it seeing kids get their hands dirty and get to play with some. So worms. it's kind of like a it's a field trip situation where kids can kind of go to a farm. Yeah. I'm doing air quotes for all the listeners, mm-hmm. the viewers out there. You went on this also though, Avery. Yeah, so well, it's a field I, trip that kids come to the farm on LSU's campus, right? Yeah. Well, it's in Parker Coliseum and they make it to where it's set up where you, you travel through different parts of agriculture, be it the outdoors and the importance of the timberland and then what we do with the timber afterward there was this wonderful uh setup where you could count the rings on a tree that was more than a hundred years old and they point out like the dates of where this might have happened like this was a drought this was some kind of infection on the tree based on what the rings are saying yeah based on what the rings show um and you know, I, I'm so glad that we were able to do this in person again because I've gone, gosh, every year since Luke has been two and Luke is nine now. He'll be 10 this year. Luke's my son, just in case you're wondering. Uh, but I brought Luke and Logan, my two boys over there after we shot the story because they just have such a great time with this. Mm-hmm. It's so hands on. And that's what they remember. They remember all the hands on stuff. And Brian, if you remember the the way it kind of goes through, it kind of starts with some of the things that are what you experience with agriculture being your food, agriculture being your clothing and that sort of thing. But it builds up to that animal experience. It does. It does. And I mean, they even go through the aquaculture so they get to see, you know, they talk about the oysters and um, alligators. Surely there were some crawfish there, huh? There were. There were a couple. Um, there were a couple there and a couple kids were trying to catch them. and. Well, you got to get hands-on. Absolutely. Yeah. Only one so. way to get hands-on with crawfish <laughs> is catching them or and eating them, I guess. They had a, a relatively nice-sized alligator there, too, that you that the kids could pet. The children could go and pet the alligator. I, I did. I did. I finally got to pet an alligator. I was about to say, there it is. You finally got there. I know, but I want to like see one in... You want to see one in the wild? Yes. Like one that threatens your life? Yes. Okay. Well, this probably was not that, but it was a nice-sized alligator. Yeah, it was, a, you know, one that was... The crazy thing was the one they were holding on display was the same age as the one they had in a caged off area. And the one that they were holding was about what, 
three feet long, maybe. If that. Like yeah. it was it was a smaller size. The mm. one inside the cage was about seven feet. <laughs> Good yeah. Lord, no thank you. It That's was like the size you want to see out in yes. the wild. No thanks. Yes. I mean, it's worth seeing because they're such amazing creatures. And then we talked to them about how the population of alligators is coming back so strong. Mm-hmm. They don't have to put as many out back in the wild anymore. I mean, it used to be 10%. Now they're about to, I think, two and a half percent of what they raise has to go back out That's in the wild. That's a pretty huge dip. I remember we Neil did a story about that mm-hmm. not too long ago. Um, that's really cool. So I've never been to this event, but I've seen it on our calendar for years. And Avery, because like you mentioned, take the boys, mm-hmm. you always kind of got called dibs on it. Yeah, but because, it, you know, it's a fun time. Hey, and, you get to double duty as reporter and a cool dad. Well, no, I don't double dip. I go twice. Oh, you go twice? Yeah. So I went with Brienne because <laughs> I knew that was going to be her first experience there. And then on the weekend afterward, I take Lauren and the boys and gotcha. we all go as a family. And um, I still remember the first year we went. So, Brian, you saw the big dairy cow they had there. I did. And they don't bring a small one. This I was about is to ask the, about the, the animals. So Yeah, I'll let her go into more detail because she knows the the livestock side better than I do. But the first year we went, Luke was two, and the dairy cow came right to the edge of the, the enclosure, poked its big old nose out, and licked Luke right in the head. Mm. Licked him. He had, he had a true cow no, lick that day. He had a true cow lick that day. Mm. What what kind of animals did they have there? You mentioned the insects and the tree exhibits and the alligators, of course. What kind of animals, livestock style animals did they have there? They pretty much had it all. Cattle, chickens, chicks, goats, lambs, sheep. I want to make sure I say my terminology correctly. I'm I'm probably Uh, just messed up. Did I just mess up? Probably. Probably. (laughs) Safe, safe bet. Um. I mean, they they had a good selection, just and those kids loved it. I was about it. to say the kids they, had to probably eat that up. Oh, huh? they absolutely loved it. Especially the chicks. They always want to go and get their hands yes. on the little chicks and hold them. They also had one of the biggest rabbits I've seen in quite a while. Yeah, they that was a big rabbit. Like, is it in your story? No. Oh, I didn't. No. Uh, I won't get to see it. I guess. No, go and look. Next through time the you'll video. have to go. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I guess I'll go next time, but. It sounds like a really cool, uh, a really cool event. They make sure to differentiate between the beef cattle and the dairy Dairy, cattle. Yes, yes. And, you know, to make sure that these children know that it's not just at the appearing at the grocery store. This is where it comes from. But the other cool thing about it is uh, Rouse's always sets up at the very end and it is set up like a grocery store and children get to take some produce with them. That's as, as cool. They so they literally start in with the raw products and the timber, the trees, the, the animals. It's weird to call them raw products, but mm-hmm. the beginning all the way to the very end at the grocery store. That's mm-hmm. that's cool that they can make that connection. And I think a really cool thing that I liked about this event is that it's all ages. Um, even me, I was I still enjoyed it. Yeah, um, that's cool. But it was good to see different ages of kids there and still all, I mean, it hits all age ranges. I I saw in the script just earlier, all the volunteers, like I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's probably awesome for them too, to, to work it as a 4-H'er or, you know, whatever. Yes. Yeah. There were some college kids there and you could just see them talking to the kids and their eyes lit up talking to them. So I was like, that's, that's what this is about. I would have to believe there are probably some ag education 
students there. Oh, oh yes. Eating that up. Like yes. That's their, their wheelhouse right there. And I got to, you know, put, take my hat off to Hannah Duvall. I mean, she really is has been involved in this, and this is her first year really as the coordinator and just taking it to the next level as far as making this an, um, an awesome event. You could definitely tell, and just talking to her, she put her heart and soul into this event, and it shows. And she talked about she used to be one of the volunteers. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And I honestly, so that is actually a perfect segue to tease mm-hmm. my story for next week, because Claire Zach was is the nutritionist. Nu- nu- she is a nutritionist, but she's the healthy living coordinator for the 4-H which is what I'm doing my story on next week for each oh, is getting a, a, getting a, a teaser, a, a double, uh, a double feature, I guess here next week we'll be doing a, I did a story. Bree actually went with me to that story. It was my story. I didn't give her the, mm. the, uh, <laughs> of course not. I didn't let her shoot, but, um, it's a story about, they did pretty much a chopped style competition for 4-H students. They were hoping for eight or 10 mm. teams to come in and they had, I think over 40. Wow. Teams. So, We'll talk more about that on the podcast next week that we must do now. So uh, now we've teased us. We got to do a podcast next week. We do. We do. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, because I'm curious, you know, who whose cuisine would reign supreme? Well, I didn't stay for the entire for every single. But of the dishes we saw, there were some pretty impressive looking uh, dishes. There were some that were not as great, but also the fact that these kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. The fact that these kids. The fact that these kids could shop for it, cook it, and figure up the nutritional facts for it, and plate it, and have it ready to go in forty minutes—it's pretty dang impressive, that regardless is. of of how great it tasted. You know, so um, I was I was impressed. I think it was a cool event. We'll talk more about it next week. I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit in the lineup because you can't talk about 4-H without talking about Dr. Paul Carell and what impact he had on the 4-H program on extension in this state when he was working at the LSU Ag Center. Yeah, well, I mean, I jumped over a couple of stories that we'll we'll get back to, but the reality is 4-H is as successful in Louisiana as it is because of Dr. Paul Carell, who's now the chancellor at LSUA and a recent inductee into the Louisiana Agriculture Hall of Distinction. Right. We've been doing these stories. I say we've been doing them. We've been sharing them. You produced the one about Jim Monroe, the former mm-hmm. assistant to the president, Louisiana Farm Bureau. But um, we've been sharing them because they're valuable stories for our viewers. And they kind of they really line up with what our show is all about. And, you know, it's featuring people that are in agriculture or working in agriculture or like all three of these men working kind of, I guess, parallel to agriculture and in and, and the uh, support, role. support roles. Mm-hmm. So it was really a cool thing. But we've Dr. Paul Carell is our third one to feature and to, to tell his story. And it's really cool because I've known that name as long as I've been around Farm Bureau, just because of his involvement in 4-H. And now at LSUA. So it's a it's a great it's a very well done story. And uh, Craig Gotro did that story. You were at the event, though, mm-hmm. the Hall of Distinction. Tell, tell us about that event. We haven't even done an, a podcast episode since we had this. This Hall wow, of I didn't event. realize it had been that that long. So it was an amazing event. It was a great night because, again, this was sort of the 
the coming back together of mm-hmm. everyone involved in agriculture. A lot of those happening lately. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how you go from a pandemic to an endemic stage, how things can start happening again. But the it was wonderful to see my my former boss, Jim Monroe, getting the same honor that our former boss, uh, Ronnie Anderson, received just the year prior. Mm. And uh, again, very deserving. And then my friend and mentor, Don Molino, being honored for his work as the senior farm reporter for Louisiana Radio Network and the voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network. I mean, that I talk to Don almost daily. Yeah. And if not multiple times a day. And so to see my friend honored in that way just was was amazing. And to go in there with with two people I admire so much, you know, mm-hmm. I, it was it was just a wonderful, wonderful evening. And uh, I'm so glad that Louisiana Radio Network continues to to sponsor this. Uh, the LSU Ag Center, um, Louisiana Farm Bureau, of course. And um, I'm no, I'm Department leaving someone out. Yeah, Department of Ag and Forestry. Thank you. Yeah. I, I could see Mike Strain in my brain, but I could not think Louisiana Department of Ag. He was at the and event. Forestry. You also recognized. You were able to introduce a newspaper radio. No, no, radio. the the, uh, the affiliate of the year for the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network was KLIL out of Moraville. Uh, Louis Coco and his wife Charlene. Involved in agriculture even before starting the radio station. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's they really are the paragon of providing information to farmers and ranchers in this state because they're locally owned. They have a vested interest in agriculture and a passion for it. And if you've ever met Louis Coco, he is just one of the nicest darn people just giving um uh, god i he's he, he's got this energy about him that immediately you walk up to him i'm like man i'm happy now you know <laughs> and and but he does that on the radio as well and that's what's that's what we wanted to honor there and so yeah it was my privilege to to announce uh for that award um but yeah i'm looking forward to next year's hall of distinction uh that will start nominations later this year so if you know someone who you think is deserving to be in the Louisiana Agriculture Hall of Distinction, whether they're a farmer, rancher, or just someone who is involved in agriculture, you know, be ready to, to f- fill out that nomination form. And I also must say, it is this year, it's three men, but it's not always just a boys mm-hmm. club. It's for men and women, and there are more women to come. I feel very strongly based on this event that we skipped over so gracefully but the women in agriculture conference just happened mm-hmm. um a couple of weeks ago and brie you went i did you went to this yes and you came back fired up oh it was wonderful first like, off <laughs> the amount of women that showed up yeah um a lot a yeah. lot uh and i mean they talk everything Tell us about who were the speakers there. That's what I was going to say. Who was your favorite speaker? Truthfully, I enjoyed them all that we listened to. I mean, they had it. My my personal favorite, once again, um, they had an equine farm. um, I can't believe this. Come out and they talked the numbers. I'm not always a number person, but now that I'm growing up, (laughs) 
<laughs> numbers matter. <laughs> so, adulting. Yeah. <laughs> when you're adulting, numbers matter. Yes. Uh, and she was able to talk about, you know, what it takes to have her own facility and boarding and how she handles that and that kind of thing. But then, I mean, they had a vet there that talked cattle all day for those women who are involved in the cattle and Meredith Bernard. That's the one you like yes, so much. I remember yes. you came back just like she. Uh, we saw a picture or something <laughs> yes. and you were like, she was awesome. Yes. And she talked to everybody. She actually sat at our table. We were oh, well, um, eating lunch and she sat at our table, which for mm-hmm. me, that's a big, you know, having a guest speaker sit down and being able to talk. And she shared her true experiences and wasn't, you know, hiding anything. And she was like, it is tough. What, Don't is, be- what is her story? What does she do? She, um, now, now I'm going to well, have to look. I, we can edit it. Just, yeah. But so she, she is a wife, mother, farmer and photographer, writer and YouTube. I don't want you to read it. I know, <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out how to. She's a wife of a farmer. Well, she is the one of the, yeah, they, I mean, she's a farmer. She's out there getting it and she's now getting famous on TikTok. Oh, um, TikTok star. And mm. she shows the dirty side of farming and getting okay. dirty and getting your hands dirty and the bad side of it of losing crops and how they're handling that and stuff like that and yeah it's amazing how real translates so well on social media i was scrolling through youtube this is unrelated but not totally i was scrolling through my youtube because i'm a youtube guy i love youtube and the algorithm thought that i would be interested in a vlogger a female farmer who started her like a vlog she's probably lower 20s she has 1.3 million views on a video of her talking about the stinky side of farming where she was working and she's in the midwest somewhere but she and her dad who she farms with was they were working on the grain tanks and cleaning out and it has one and a half, 1.3 million views. I was like, mm-hmm. what in the world? But, but people appreciate it because it's unfiltered. It's just. And I think more and more people are starting to want that content. They mm-hmm. want to know where their food comes from mm-hmm. and who's doing it and mm-hmm. what they're facing, the challenges. You know, they are realizing that farmers are facing challenges that they didn't even know about. Yeah. Um, and she does a great job of, of putting that out there. And Was it a bunch of farm wives or were they a bunch of like. Legit no, farm legit women out farmers, there getting it up. Like. Yeah. And it was cool as we were sitting there waiting for one of the guest speakers. They allowed us to chat with our tables and such. And one of the ladies next, the table next to us was actually talking about how they're growing their operation and asking other females how they would, how they would do in that instance and stuff. And at one moment, uh, it was actually to Meredith and um, a lady, she was taking questions at the end and the lady was like, listen, I think we're about to lose it all. Like, what mm. What do you do? And she was like, I personally can't answer it, but I know there's women in here. And they, I mean, women after that, after she got done speaking, went up to her and they sat down and were talking her through it. So these were farmers there. They they understand what a lot of them are going through. Yeah, you you don't realize it until you start to look at the numbers. But uh, as we said in the show, you know, 51% of all farms in the United States are either operated by a woman 
or have a woman involved in the decision-making process. That's, I mean, that's more than half. And that's, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Could, I mean, women make up 50% of the population. <laughs> Shouldn't they make up 50% of the farmers as well? Well, and I also asked if they're like legit farmers or if they were just a bunch of farm wives that were looking for something to do on the weekends uh, or the Thursday, Friday that it was. And I kind of said that semi like jokingly, but I, I'll go in and doing stories all the time, especially for like our young farmer profiles. Some of the wives sometimes will be like, well, my husband's the farmer. And it's like, nah, girl, you do mm-hmm. a whole lot. Even if it's not driving a tractor, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to pick up parts. You're going to, you're fixing meals. You're literally just, if you just were the supportive wife at back home that listened to your husband complain about the crap day he had, that's a big deal. So it sounds like this, this woman that was asking the question is doing a lot more of that decision-making and bearing mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, the weight of the farm. So yeah. it, it was just, it's, it's not just a, uh, you, you don't have to be driving the tractor to be considered a farmer, in my opinion, uh, especially some of these, these women on some of these farms that we've no, seen across the state. I mean, you hear the quote, it takes a village to raise children and farming. That is mm-hmm. <laughs> children to a lot of people. So yeah. you need that. Yeah. You need that. And um, another cool thing was they had uh area that you could go shop and stuff at. And it was some of the guest speakers and it was also some other local female farmers coming in and sharing what they have and stuff like that. So it was a packed full of women day. Speaking of young farmers and ranchers, I'm pretty sure I saw Rachel Duncan and her uh, Mm -hmm. flower truck. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, Did they get a lot of attention? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. There was not a time we did not walk by that there was not a line there waiting. That's awesome. That's awesome. It was good to see everybody show support to those as well. Yeah. And we're going to have more from there in next week's next show, week's show we'll as well. Have a couple of stories yeah. Because Neil Malawson went out on one of the tours. So did Tammy Arinder. Shout out to Tammy Arinder. She shared with us a couple of stories. The one that in this show this week, and then another one we'll have next week because she was there uh, on kind of double duty doing a little RFD TV work, mm-hmm. but also sharing some uh, some stories with us here on Twilight to use. So it's it's really nice to have, have her back in the state. So shout yeah. out to Tammy. And then. You know, the woman in agriculture we're missing right now is Chris Noakes White. <laughs> Carl, you can probably oh. speak to her feasting on agriculture better than anybody else in this building because I don't want it, to. You, you because we again, we're kind of in the middle of a hangry we're, edition we're of Twilight After Show. It's 7 p.m. right now. Uh, but this week, Kristen visits with Jay Dakota, who's a Baton Rouge. Uh, she and she even says this in the segment. She he's Baton Rouge celebrity, but he's really becoming kind of state and national like nas- national uh food food guy, I like mean, he celebrity. Was, he was runner up on Next Food Network Star. Yeah, and he, he, lots he, of folks say he should have won it. Yeah, he's 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 no uh, he's no I, slouch in the kitchen. I think mm-hmm. is that that's the term. But he he brings Kristen into his backyard kitchen this week, and they trim up briskets, season them up. Uh, and he puts them on the pit for, I think, 14 hours. And Kristen's Man. with him there at the beginning as he's cutting fat, trimming fat, which honestly, as someone that tries to do some barbecuing and smoking of briskets in my backyard, the trimming is the hardest part to me. 
because you don't want to trim too much, but you also got to get enough off. But they kind of talk about that and they show us some of that in this segment. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool hearing it from a guy who's trimming up 24 to put on the pit that afternoon. So I was like, man, this guy, if anybody's going to know what, know how to, to prep a brisket, mm-hmm. it's going to be him. He's got plenty of practice, but they go through the seasoning, what they do. And, and as a, again, someone that's interested, all he uses is really a little mustard to bind the seasoning mm-hmm. and salt and pepper. That's it. Different, different grades. He has his, I mean, it's, it's more than that. He's got different grades, different, uh, uh, fineness of mm-hmm. the like coarse salt and fine salt and mm-hmm. fine pepper, coarse pepper kind of stuff. But that's pretty much what it is. And he has it in a good blend and that he actually sells. So here's a little promotional material, but, uh, he does, he has a, a brisket rub, a backyard brisket rug. I think it's called Jay's backyard brisket rub, which is super creative, uh, <laughs> but also super, uh, clear as to mm-hmm. what you're looking for if you need brisket rub you got it right there and jay is such a wonderful personality i remember he's uh, great on tv he's great on tv he's great on radio because he has his daily radio show over there uh on talk 1073 uh here in baton rouge and then also i mean this goes back to the early days of social media explosion. They I mean, talk about had, that in the segment. Yeah, he had the Bite and Booze um, blog. Yeah, the blog, then Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first met Jay. And yeah. he and I would go back and forth on Twitter back when I still had a an affinity for Twitter. Uh, that's fallen by the wayside as I <laughs> get older. And around 2012, a lot of that went, went away. That's when Luke was born. Interesting. Um, but that said... You know, he really took a uh, something that he built himself, mm-hmm. his own branding. He became his own personal brand. And here it is. You know, he's kicking butt and taking names. And, and honestly, it sounds like and he tell like like I said, he tells this kind of story in the uh, the piece on the show. But didn't sound like it was really on purpose. It just kind of happened. He was just doing this little, little blogging and a little social media stuff. And all of a sudden it kind of caught on and he's like well i guess this is what this is it he doesn't have any culinary training he's just kind of a self-taught uh cook and he knows what he's doing i staring at that brisket on i, I watched it two or three times just because it's fascinating <laughs> and beautiful and the bark was so dark and he had a great smoke ring and oh uh, who's hungry right now because i'm starving now that i'm talking about it but it is really well done and i thought i think it's a great piece and kristen she called me after it was done and she's like we've got to use jay Moore." He was so good to work with. I'm perfectly okay with that as long as we get some. Yeah. Um, maybe like a field trip. Like. I want to be invited next time. I was this time, but it didn't work out with schedules. But I'm going to pitch an idea right now. I mean, we when we wrap up this podcast, we just go over to Government Taco mm. here in Baton Rouge, which is Jade Cody's place, and we go you know, grab I did bring I'm lunch. not going to say no to that. They do have brisket tacos. Okay, we can leave lunch. you behind. Yeah. We can leave you back. You know what? We'll I leave you. L- I brought lunch, but I've also got a fridge that had lunch can sit in here at the office and we can go to Government Taco. So, Jay, we're coming to see you. <laughs> at least to give you money. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a great segment. And I highly recommend anyone checking it out and checking out the blog because she's going to have a uh, she has a great blog post that talks through all the the rubs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it on the show. But it's, it, it's a hard piece of meat to it cut. It just looks cook, pretty. 
but it seems like it's not as hard as we maybe think it is. But we also learn about the cattle industry in there because uh, that's something that is near and dear to Kristen's oh, heart. She, and she talks, she brings that up. She talks about, they talk about where that cut comes from mm-hmm. on the cow and, and, and how, uh, how much, I didn't know this. She says, I'm not going to say the fact, there's a factoid in there about how much weight the brisket cut of the brisket piece of that muscle mm-hmm. how much weight that's holding i think it's like 60 percent of are you, are you giving out the fact i think i'm giving out the fact but it's something like <laughs> well it's not like she doesn't well, she so you're does. saying you might be wrong so we got to watch the piece to I make sure so that we can Y'all prove you wrong check me by watching the piece but it's something like it's a huge amount of weight that that muscle is really carrying and holding, supporting supporting hmm. and it's i was like i did not know that but Kristen pulled out some of her Angus uh, livestock background <laughs> and uh, shared about that. So this is an Angus piece of cut, uh, piece of brisket, by the way. I'm sure it is. So I mean, that's going to be the best part. Point that out. Oh, Louisiana beef, always the best, man. Yeah, it's really, I'm, we got to stop talking about it because I'm about to starve now. But anyways, it was a great show. I'm really excited about it. And uh, it's nice to be back on the podcast. Yeah. Talking yeah. with my friends. Aww, I mean, thanks. I'm talking about my mom, the the listener. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just kidding. Y'all are my friends too. Yeah. That, no, they wouldn't make wow. sense that your mother would be your only friend, hey, Carl. Hey. That yeah. explains a lot, actually. Yeah. You are you know? moving back in the basement? <laughs> no, we don't have a basement in Franklin Parish. Oh, okay. Darn. <laughs> I don't think y'all do in Louisiana at all, <laughs> Probably actually. Not anyway. There are a couple places that do, but I digress. Yeah. Uh, one, of, one of them being the governor's mansion. Governor's Mansion has a basement. Huh. The more you know. <laughs> Avery is full of the useless trivia. Kristen has a trivia about the Angus cattle, which has a use every now and then. You've got the trivia that does me no use. good. <laughs> I can't even get on Jeopardy with it. Well, let's wrap it up right there since we're uh, all starving and starting to kind of go down <laughs> these weird rabbit holes of trivia. But thanks for listening for every- everyone. I'm Carl Wiggers, Avery Davidson, Brian Hendrickson. And uh, for all the rest of the team that's not here with us, we'll, uh, we'll all be back together soon. And we'll see you next time on the Twilight After Show. Bye. If you can, subscribe to us on your favorite place to get podcasts. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. And let us know what you think about the show. Reviews are great, but sharing is how you show that you're caring. So bring (laughs) your mother in, bring your sister in, share this podcast with them. Let them know that you enjoy listening to the Twilight After Show. And don't forget this podcast is produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 